This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and I'm so glad you're here. I started Self Work over eight years ago in order to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be very interested in all kinds of psychological information. Maybe you're in therapy. To those of you who are looking for answers, maybe with a relationship problem or your own individual struggles. But to those of you who also might be just a bit skeptic about this whole mental health thing. But in listening here, maybe you'll find some good old common sense advice that'll make sense to you. You know, as TikTok has taken over the world of social media throughout the last few years, there are a lot of things going on psychologically, and it's become very, very popular. But again, many people are writing that it also can be harmful. Users have begun sharing their personal experiences with mental health struggles, coping mechanisms, and diagnoses. But while it's interesting to hear these stories, it's also a fear, and an actual just concern that it actually might be detrimental to viewers' mental health in the long run. For example, on Instagram, they have people actually who have anorexia talking to young girls especially about how they can eat less and become even more anorexic. Dr. Sanam Hafiz, our guest for today, breaks down some of the most prevalent trends on self-work. She's a New York-based licensed clinical psychologist and the founder and clinical director of Comprehensive Consultation Psychological Services. She's also directed most of her training and attention to the field of neuropsychology, which actually is the field of the study of the brain and psychological experiences. She's given her expertise on lots of outlets in New York City and frequently appears on CNN, and she used to appear on Dr. Oz a lot, if you were a fan of his. But today she's talking about some of these syndromes or actual behaviors that are the outcome of some of the teachings or just some of the practices you have to have when you make TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram such a huge focus in your life with people with seven and eight hours on social media in a day or even longer. Have you ever heard of glowing up or bed rotting or lucky girl syndrome? We're going to be talking about that today on Self Work. But before we get to that, here's a message from AG1, used to be called Athletic Greens, that I now see is being advertised all over the place as more and more people learn about its great, great benefits for your health and well-being. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally Every day, I gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support. I take it in the morning before starting my day and I make sure and leave it out for my husband because he tends to forget. I love knowing that I'm starting my day so incredibly well and I wouldn't change a thing because it's really helped me the last two or three years I've taken it. And here's a fact. Since 2010, they've improved their formula 52 times in the pursuit of making this nutrition supplement possible and the best it can be. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash selfwork. And that's a new link, drinkag1.com slash selfwork. 
Check it out. And now, let me introduce you to Dr. Sanam Hafiz. She is delightful. Hi, Sanam. It's nice to meet you as well. Yeah. I, I just thought it was very interesting. Your your publicity people sent over a lot of the things, and I thought, gosh, she talks about a lot of different issues, but... um. I had never had anyone on self-work talk about some of these prevalent trends for social media. We've talked about the dangers of social media and that kind of thing. But I I'm, I'm was fascinated by some of these things that, that you wanted to talk about because they, um, they encapsulate, I think, what maybe even younger listeners might want to hear, these sort of trends that are happening and, and the, the dangers of such, and, and probably the, the positives, the, the things that might be affirming as well. So I would love for you to talk about that. Yes. So, for instance, my feed is flooded with news because I follow the news. Mm-hmm. It's flooded with, um, you know, activists of different kinds you know, mostly political. I'm much, I'm very much into, you know, knowing what's happening on the political scene, mm-hmm. some travel stuff, some biohacking stuff. I'm very big on, you know, self-care and, um, you know, basically how to live healthier, longer, um, some medical, medical stuff, some, maybe some mental health, you know, I do so much of my own mental health. I don't necessarily need to follow that, <laughs> yeah, but it makes its way over there. But it's very interesting. I'm, I love the idea of working on or teaching people how to work on relationships and friendships. And I follow a lot of that and I've like, I like a lot of the relationship stuff, you know, I like it, I repost it. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, I'm a married woman, you know, fairly happy married woman. <laughs> I've been getting apps for dating websites because the algorithm is designed in such a way that it thinks I'm a single woman, a heartbroken woman who needs to date. So Instagram thought, hey, let's send her some dating websites. So, oh, interesting. So- But I also just wanted to put out there that I think for a lot of people, when they start reading something on the Internet, if it's if it's something that may be dark or unhealthy for you, Mm -hmm. the the social media algorithm doesn't help because it sends you more of that stuff. And now you start being convinced of the things that you maybe don't want to be convinced about. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a bit Mm -hmm. of a slippery slope, which is very interesting. And I just realized this in the last couple of days. I said, why am I getting this? Like, what did I do? And I realized I was looking or reading a lot of the relationship stuff. So, and yes, so to go back to your actual question that I misunderstood was, yes, I think that um, social media, just being on that screen an excessive amount of time Mm -hmm. is just, even if you're reading good stuff, even if you're reading the news, even if you're just educating yourself is linked to a significantly higher level of depression and anxiety for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you're younger, you're more impressionable, you're easily influenced, especially young girls. There is a huge pandemic that we're not talking about enough. Mm -hmm. And that to be clear, that for you is, is, is the, the, negative psychological harmful effects of social media and screen time. You know, we've known this about the kids for a long time, but um, the CDC is reporting the highest number of suicidal attempts or ideation in young girls more than ever. And if you ever, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I know nothing about filters and uh, I mean, or, you know, the, the real filters, like swiping. I always joke that swiping right on something and getting the Paris filter on Instagram is my idea of, you know, looking, looking better. <laughs> but there are people who go in and 
Photoshop everything about themselves. And these kids have all the time to do that. When you go look in the mirror, you're not going to like what you see because it looks nothing like that image you've been putting up. And you're afraid to meet people because you're afraid to disappoint them, right? So it's like a vicious cycle that social media is propagating. Listen, social media has done some incredible things. Um, I think, you know, it's brought people together. It puts a lot of awareness out there. It gives us a lot of information in an an entertaining, kind of entertaining somewhat format. But the downsides of not being able to disconnect from it are really lethal, you know, psychologically from a mental health standpoint. Yes. And you're a neuropsychologist as well. What kind of effect does that have on our brains? So, you know, I've, I've done a lot of um, talking and writing about this stuff. So there is a plethora of research on people who game, you know, on a video game, gaming. And it's, it sounds ridiculous to normal people who don't game that they're, they're gamers who will put on a diaper so they don't have to go to the bathroom because they don't stop. Wow. And of course, there are people who make millions of dollars gaming, right? Mm-hmm. So... One of the things that I've talked about is if you're on social media an excessive amount of time, it's similar to gaming, right? It's a constant stimulation. What fMRI studies have found is that people who game excessively, the the white matter, the, mm-hmm. the gray matter, the white, the good mm-hmm. stuff, the volume in the brain actually atrophies and decreases in volume. Really? So is it a a wide stretch to say that a kid who's on social media or even an adult who's on social media, listen, we are declining as you and I talk. Our brain health is Mm -hmm. declining because that's what happens. You know, we kind of go up during our teenage years and we plateau and then we start to decline. We, our memory, our manual dexterity, our attention. I can tell you I used to devour books and now I'm like, okay, if I can just find a window where there isn't a distraction, my eyes get fatigued and I have, I had to get reading glasses much to my chagrin. So, we're spending this time and unless you're in that perfect little window of cognitive strength, spending that excessive amount of time on social media is absolutely harming your brain. Even if you take out the mental health struggle, even if you ignore the, um, you know, the mental health anxiety, the low self-esteem, not liking how you look, it's still hurting your brain. Is there a way to rebuild that white matter? Absolutely. You know, the thing we know is the brain is plastic, right? Uh Neuroplasticity Uh is a real thing. And it, you know, basically has taught us in the last decade or so of research that the brain can do even more than we ever imagined. It can repair. It can, you know, I read a study, it was so interesting, that in traumatic brain injury, one part of the brain that is responsible for something, when it gets injured, another part of the brain that didn't have that job, takes over that job till that brain that part of the brain can recover so the idea of neuroplasticity is that it's never too late your brain can expand and become better at what it does but you have to feed it like every other part of our bodies right like when we go to gym we are blown away by how impressive it is that our bodies can do things that it couldn't do six months ago or a year ago Mm -hmm. the brain's your most valuable muscle and we don't exercise it we don't do anything with it Mm. so you know, we if we can disconnect from our phones, we can put it away in a in a drawer. If we can, you know, find windows of rest. If we can plug the phone in far away from the bed at night, I think we can right. do amazing things at recovering. You know, I sometimes my phone gives me a, a message that says, 
screen time, weekly screen time. It kind of gives you, I think I have it set to that mm-hmm. setting mm-hmm. and it tells me, and I'm really sort of upset when I see that there's been a spike in my screen time. Although I must say I use my phone a lot for work. I, I do a lot of remote work sure. using my phone and I'm not sure if it counts, but you know, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of emails and text messages for work primarily, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I still feel terrible about it. I love this um, this list that I got that is all about sort of this false sense of yourself on social media. You were just talking about it that you can use with face filters. I certainly, I have a little bit, you know, Zoom asks you, hey, do you want to look just a little bit better? Or you can you can do the slider way over where I look like somebody I'm not. Well, you look like you're manufactured by AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I have it just a little bit, you know, because I, it's just, you know, okay, that's my vanity, but you're exactly right. And I'm a 68 year old woman, but you I look fantastic. Well, thank, well, thank you. Zoom, right? <laughs> but you um, need to give me some beauty tips, <laughs> but um, you know, I will get it in the morning and especially when I have morning face, you know, I go, Oh, this doesn't look at all. But I'm not an impressionable young girl anymore. I've I've had this face for a long time. I'm pretty comfortable with it. And so, you know, if I were 16 instead of my age, that would be really difficult, I would think. And some of them, some of the filters are just funny to me. But I I think to I can see exactly. I mean, I hated some of the way I I looked, you know, when I was younger. And and but, you know, you, you, you one of the things you talk about is glowing up. I love this because I actually... I have a real issue with some of the influencers who tend to use this really simple, all you have to do is do this every day and and all of life will come to you. Can you talk about what glowing up is? Yeah, I have, you know, in the beginning when it started, I didn't quite understand it. So I can kind of see your before and after you went on a weight loss journey and, you know, you call it a glow up from like two years ago, Mm -hmm. you you know, weighed, let's say 300 pounds, you went on a journey of exercise and diet, and you want to motivate people. And that's your glow up. Sure. Um, you know, people talk about emo- emotional or psychological glow ups. Again, I have, I have no, you know, malintent or ill feeling about any of that. What I do worry about is that when you're putting that kind of information out there, your viewers, your audience, the people who follow you, who might have significant problems in their emotional health and, and mental health, mm-hmm. they are, taking you and I see patients who who come to me because they were somewhat encouraged by social media so I know that there are people who really look up to these people to kind of guide them mm-hmm. and all they see is that snippet of you which you might have recorded God knows when after God knows how many takes and they're thinking this is what you're doing mm-hmm. but when I watch these influencers the very next day they're trying something new. And the very next day, they're trying something new because that's how they keep you in. Are you telling me that they're using all of those techniques every single day right. and having time to make a living unless social media is their living and record these videos and have these amazing relationships that they talk about? You know, so it, it kind of is a um, like a, a, a paradox to me. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't really be journaling every day and also deep breathing and taking long walks and drinking all these concoctions and, you know, spending time with your loved ones without the phone. I don't buy it. No, I don't either. I don't either. So you're telling these people, impressionable young people or people with mental health problems, that's all you have to do. But that's not true because there's no way you're doing all of that. Mm-mm. 
So I and, think, and there's no, I mean, I'm, I've been a psychologist for 30 years. You, you know, I, I've never seen one, anyone use one thing <laughs> to do anything. It's a, it's a, there's a multiplicity there. There's a, there's, it's a physical, spiritual, emotional, cognitive, you know, there are all kinds of things that need to sort of align with one another in order to, for someone to move forward. And so in any really meaningful, consistent way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, think of, think of, you know, I, sometimes I, I love, like I said, biohacking and skincare and all that stuff. So some of the people that I follow are good people. I like, you know, like Mark Hyman or people at Harvard. Um, well, he doesn't actually have a David Sinclair. He's a, he's a big biohacker. And, you know, I like reading about him, you know, you you look at all the things they're doing, and I'm thinking, like this one guy takes 81 supplements a day, and I'm thinking, oh, what? Gosh. 81 <laughs> supplements, you know. But sometimes you have to wade through it to get to the stuff, and then I'll go do my own research, and I'll read the, you know, real stuff that's actually out there empirically proven. But come on, people like you and I are are unique in that sense, right? We have people, we're doctorates, we have doctorates, we're used to going to the source, we understand that research can be very muddy, and you oh. can't take that headline for what you can it, find what, what you're looking for. hundred percent. You can always <laughs> find you, you pick the topic. You'll find someone who published something that's, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's accurate. So, you know, even when I, so I watch these skincare people and I'm thinking, but last week you were touting this other skincare line. Now you're like, how do you even know it works? You didn't try that for more than two days, you know, and sure. you don't know who's paying you for, you know, what and what you're endorsing and if it's really something that's that's good. Anyhow. So I get I to go listen feel- to I get to go listen to Lewis Howes. I mean, I love Lewis. He's, he's he actually honored me by having me on the program several years ago. But uh he'll have a he'll have a uh, someone on who says, you know, you should never eat asparagus. And then the other person says, You've got to eat asparagus every day. Yeah. And I wonder what that's like for him because he literally, you know, he has the school of greatness podcast and and he's done very very well but these people are giving such contradictory advice it's really funny <laughs> exactly 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 you know and I, I have a lot of people who say you know you could do so much more on social media <laughs> you could do so much sorry uh you could do so much more on social media if you wanted to i know they, this one just loves popping in and just these hello hello <laughs> they left let me know hi guys <laughs> okay it's hi. dr rutherford saying hi to you guys hi Hi. It's actually very good, but they, they try to leave me alone. But um, it was funny. We, we did some interviews at the beginning of the pandemic and CBS, you know, the one with uh, Jane Polly. Yes. The big in one. In the morning. And it's a great In the morning. Show. It's got huge viewership. I scheduled it. There were only five at the time. So I scheduled it. So they'd be in bed. Of course, <laughs> they didn't go to bed. And they walked right into the interview because one of them <laughs> ran over the other with like a truck or something. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the producers left that bit in. Oh, good. Because they said, well, this is your life now. Your kids, your animals are going to intrude on your Zoom. Sure, Just deal with it. Sure. Figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so every, really funny. Like, 15 million people got to see my kids um, on, on CBS News. <laughs> um, so to go back to what I, I was saying that, you know, I think, um, I think it's, it's very important. So, so people ask me, you know, why don't you do more? And I say, because I have to be very careful about what I say on social media. Mm-hmm. I have the responsibility of having a license and I can't just go out there and say something that gets attention or gets, um, you know, the kind of clout that social media loves, you know, the, the attraction, the, the glamour. Mm-hmm. I'm a psychologist. I'm a, this is my entire life's work. 
Mm-hmm. I can't just go out there and just say something. And, you know, social media is a bunch of clips, like little sound bites. Oh, yeah. You can't give mental health advice in a sound bite. And I can't, I can't afford for the, for the wrong audience or the wrong ears to grab something and run with it or, you know, and I also between the kids and a very full practice and all the other things that I do don't have the time to invest in it. But that's really why I don't do it. You know, a picture, putting up a picture is one thing. Talking about stuff, I feel like it's a, for me, it's a great responsibility. I'm sure you feel the same way about your podcast. I do. You know, because not just because you have a podcast, lots of people have podcasts. But if you've been a psychologist for 30 years, I don't even have to guess. A licensed doctoral level psychologist feels the weight of the mental health world on their shoulders. You know, we want to impact people positively every chance we get. Um, And I I see that in my colleagues and my friends. I have some dear friends that I went to graduate school with and, and we all feel the same way. And guess what? None of us have any real social media presence. No, (laughs) That's why, right? You know, I have these people who will contact me. We'll give you thousands of followers, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's great, but not really. I'm not into that at all. No. So I totally agree with you. You're a psychologist. I I know that whatever I'm saying is resonating with you. As as soon as I get an email from a publicity person and I see the word transformational in a week or transformational, I say, "Mm -mm, not into it. Sorry. I don't care how many followers you have or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love your down to earthness. That's really great. Um, and and we we can't forget that husband of yours in there. You were listing off the things you needed to pay attention to. We can't forget that husband. Yeah, of course. Um, family, one you know, of the others. Member. One of the other trends you talked about bed rotting, which is kind of self explanatory. Um, face filters, self diagnosing, glowing up, and the last one you talk about is lucky girl syndrome. And I really thought this one was interesting. Yeah, I love how false that concept is you know what I mean because especially when that came out you know and I I don't follow any of these trends very closely I really wasn't on TikTok much I initially didn't quite understand it and I know initially I kind of thought to myself well I'm a lucky girl what does that mean I feel like I'm a lucky girl I've always felt like I'm a lucky girl Mm -hmm. and I wish I could explain to people that being a let's start with the lucky girl syndrome okay being a lucky girl or a lucky guy is Nothing except a mindset, right? It's about accepting your good and bad, accepting that life's going to throw things your way, accepting that you have the power to change what you can change, whether you work toward it, whether you work hard, whether you have, you know, buffers built in, whether it's friends or family and being able to lean on those people, understanding that falling is a part of life, getting back up is up to you. Yes. And so the such thing yes I, I absolutely think that there's some people the luck definitely shines on you know and I, I feel like maybe I have been one of those people I I remember my father who got sick four years ago and passed away very very quickly from a very rare illness I called my best friend one morning as I was walking to my dad's house I would drop the kids off and go over and have breakfast with my mom and dad almost every day and I said to him I, I feel like my charmed life is coming to an end Mm-hmm. Because the idea of losing my dad was mm-hmm. that devastating. I felt like that's it. Mm-hmm. And it was. It was horrible. But So sorry. I, thank you. But I've rebuilt my life since then, right? It was about, I immediately said to my, my mom, my sisters, my kids were very young. I said, we got we to gotta travel again. I took an inordinate amount of time off of work. 
and just traveled. And I said, look, the healing isn't going to be overnight. We're going to have to keep doing these things till one day we are truly laughing again. And yes, we're always going to miss them, but we'll be happy about the life. And since then, I've gotten remarried. I was going, I also went through an awful divorce in the same time period. My sister has gotten married. We have a new nephew. I have a bigger family, thanks to my husband. You know, and and I have this. I had this wonderful um, psychologist who passed away from COVID, unfortunately, I, that I worked with, and he said, "You know, Sanam, that's life. Your your t- your table, meaning your mm-hmm. table that you eat on, mm-hmm. it expands and it contracts, and you just have to enjoy the times when it's bigger." And that's what Lucky Girl is made of: to accept that things are going to be up and, and down and adapt. And adapt. And you keep working toward that's it. You just one foot in front of the other. And you just got to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I know it's easier said than done, especially for people who are prone to depression or anxiety. But yeah. it puts this idea out there that there is lucky in itself denotes a sense of an external locus of control, mm-hmm. which you and I both know actually plays a much smaller part in life. You know, yes. Can you get struck by a bad disease or a sickness yeah that's not up to you you know can someone you love dearly pass away you don't get to control that Mm -mm. but you do get to control how you move forward and you how you heal from that pain and so i i'm i don't like a lot of these trends or these very flippant ideas that are out there that give people the impression that what's happening to them is out of their hands you know bed rotting you mentioned earlier like staying in bed for you know ridiculously prolonged amount of time mm-hmm. is a sure way of cementing that depression. Exactly. You know, exactly. having the terrible thoughts swirl around, and you know, an object in motion stays in motion. So, guess what happens to an object that stays in bed rotting? It stays mm-hmm. in bed rotting longer. Mm-hmm. I want to make uh, sure people understand you because I I lost track a little bit. What you're saying with lucky girl syndrome is that if you believe it enough, it will happen, right? If you believe it, but also work toward it, you actually have to do the things. I, and that's what's true, but that's not lucky girl syndrome. People are saying lucky girl syndrome is that if you just want it, it'll happen. If you want it hard enough. Am, am I reading that correctly? I, I, guess, I guess that's what they're saying. What I'm yes. saying is, yes, that is a big part of it. The optimistic, positive thinking, I think, is huge. I was on vacation telling my sons about the difference between optimism and pessimism. And I said, if you truly envision it, and if you really look on the bright side of things, good things just happen to you. I've watched it happen to myself, to other people. I said, but you also have to be mindful that some of us are prone to negative thinking. Some of us, because one of my sons said, oh, I'm, I'm just not good at sports, mama, because his twin is like bigger than him. And I said, honey, you can play basketball so much better than I, you could last year. I see you kicking a ball in soccer, and I'm amazed by what you can do. You can't compare yourself to your brother. Exactly. He's had a growth spurt. You will have your own growth spurt. Right. But the, the focus on, you know, you know, of course, they're eight-year-old boys, right? So it's all about the sports right now. And so I said, and I explained to them, and, and for a few, a couple of days, he couldn't remember the word optimism. And he's like, Mama, I want to be that OP word that you said. <laughs> I want to see the glass half full. And I said, but you can train the brain to do that. I explained the concept of neuroplasticity to my eight-year-old and he got it. There you go. There you go. (laughs) He got it. So, you know, I said, I want you to envision good things. And I want you to, even if you must say it to yourself, I can do this. Look at your past successes and say, well, I did that. I know I can do this. It's just going to take maybe a little harder work. 
than let's say your brother or someone else, but that's okay. Because the other things that are going to come to you easy. So we all have to work hard at some things and then some things come easy to all of us. And I also think this is resonating with me as, as far as there's a, one of my favorite stories about she wasn't my biological grandmother, but she was a grandmother to me. And when I first met her, um, when she was 84 and I was 24 and she didn't die till she was 104 and she was living in this beautiful apartment and she used to love to sit out on her sun porch and watch the clouds go by because it was all glass walls. Then she moved to a, a condo kind of thing that was smaller and she had this big bay window and the final place where she ended dying had a tiny window. And I looked at her, her, I called her Ed, and I said, Ed, I'm so sorry that your window is so small. And she looked at me, Sonam, and said, they are the same clouds. I love that. Isn't that a wonderful way of looking at things? I love that. Absolutely love that. I sometimes feel that way about the moon. You know, that no matter where you are, no matter how you wake up, how you go to bed, the moon is still yours. Right. I love that. That reminds me of of your dinner table. Yeah, technology that sometimes it's going to get smaller, sometimes it's going to get bigger, but it's yeah. it's what are you focusing on that's important? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, material things, for instance, are going to come and go, right? So having that anchor, jobs are going to go, money's going to go. I've seen people go from living in mansions to tiny little retirement homes or nursing homes. You know, that's aging. You have to accept these things are going to happen to all of us if we're fortunate enough to live that long. Mm -hmm. You know, just now when I was in in London, in the UK, my uncle um, and aunt were the only doctors for miles. I mean, for towns in in a part of a few hours away from London. And they lived in this huge house that I think belonged to the mayor of the town. It's massive. And my aunt died. And then my uncle, you know, of course, they had retired by then. They actually owned a, their own hospital. And he now lives in a, in a room in a nursing facility, you yeah. know. And, and, um, and I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's just life. Mm-hmm. You can go from being this larger than life guy to just ending up because that's where you're the safest now. You know, he has mm-hmm. Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some dementia. And um, he came to see my mom with his sports jacket on, with his rotary pin club, you know, pin on his mm. on his lapel. And, you know, because he doesn't get to do that anymore. Right. But if you can just accept that the important things are the relationships in your life, the people you love, the inner sense of who I am, your identity, whether and, you know, I'm I'm somewhat um, I have some a lot of religious faith or faith in God, let's mm-hmm. say. And I know that's not for everyone, but having a, your faith in God, knowing that there is someone, uh, a power unknown to us that's looking out for you. I, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off looking a certain way. You know, I was joking recently as I'm aging, I feel I'm like my face is falling. Every morning I wake up, it's, I feel like it's <laughs> falling a little more. <laughs> um, so, but you know what I thought to myself? I'm not the first or the last woman to experience this. This is aging. If I don't learn to love this newer face that I, I, I am inheriting, I'm going to be a very sad, unhappy woman, and I don't want to be. This you same know, but- woman that the same woman that I loved so much, named Ed. She said the most important thing to do after you're 90 is to get up in the morning, go into the the bathroom, look in the mirror, and say, "Good morning, whoever you are." <laughs> <laughs> Right. I love I love this woman. I can see why you loved her, yes. why you adopted her as a grandmother. So, you know, I, listen, even for someone who 
purports to understand people and relationships and human emotions and psychology, we all have our challenges, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Accepting that, yes, we all have our weaknesses. We're, we're vain. We, you know, might want to, social media makes you think everyone's vacationing in Europe all the time. I mean, you know, it gives people such a false sense of what's out there. And, you know, accepting your struggles as unique and saying, I'm going to work on this the best I can. It'll never be perfect, but I'm going to do what I can. I think that's all the lucky girl syndrome you need. You know, I think that's a wonderful thing to say. Wonderful to remember. Really astute and also just very gut, gut, uh, gut true. (laughs) it feels true it feels true you know and i will say that social media does make you think about things in a different way maybe you invest a little more in self-improvement um and maybe at least reflection Mm -hmm. than maybe if it wasn't there so that there is the good in that i can see the good in that sure sure yeah so uh, you don't have a big social media uh presence you said but if people want to uh, read your articles or get to know more about what you do how would they do that so there are a couple of places. I like my Instagram. That's my poison of choice. I do like oh, Instagram. There you go. Mm-hmm. And it's simple. Dr. Sanam Hafiz. My website is comprehendthemind.com. We're working on revamping it. So there's more information coming on the website. It's been around for a long time. It just needs to be revised. And if you Google me, you can find a ton of articles that I've written and contributed to over okay. my career. Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep Keep rocking. You're doing great. Thank you so much. Okay. Not only is Sanam actually very experienced and intelligent, she is a wonderful, wonderful person, and I'm so glad I got to meet her. I hope you are too. Thanks for listening to Self Work. As always, please take very good care of yourself, your family, and your community. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work. <laughs>